Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. I am joined today by the editor of Macworld, Karen Haslam. Hi. And group production editor at Computer World, Tamlin McGee. Hello. We're going to be diving into three meaty tech topics this day, uh, today from three of the biggest tech companies on the planet. We're going to be talking about Apple's latest financial results. Uh, we're going to be talking about Amazon and their ongoing success, but at what cost? And then I'm going to do a roundup of the Google Cloud Next conference from San Francisco that I was away at last week. Hashtag humble brag. So let's crack on. Karen, Apple results. Uh, blockbuster as always um, but I believe their last few results have been met with muted reaction but this one uh, finally seems to have actually appeased Wall Street. Well um, it's actually Apple's traditionally it'd be Apple's slowest quarter so mm-hmm. you know uh, summer they've a long time since that they last up- updated the iPhone and yeah. we haven't heard a lot really other than we've had the uh, Mac but pro very pro. recently but that came in at the end of the quarter so you don't expect a lot from this quarter um in the past everyone's always been sort of making these great grand predictions for iphone sales there was a lot of throughout the beginning of this year it was all this sort of fear of like the iphone 10 isn't selling and then mm-hmm. in the last financial results prior to this one um tim cook sort of went on record saying that they were outselling all the other iphones every every single week um and these these results kind of bear that as well so what we saw was um revenue up 17 percent year on year which was exceeding analyst uh, expectations as well as apple's own predictions they made at the yeah. end of the last quarter um it's interesting actually because this news has come off the back of the uh facebook netflix um google and amazon results not you know they've had their results but they've also seen a a big decline in yes. in their share price at the moment, so it's it's, it's kind of good that Apple's now sort of popping everyone up a bit. Yeah. Um, and Apple's nearing its one billion, no, one trillion, one trillion. market cap. So, um, they their stock has already hit one hundred ninety nine dollars today, and once it hits that one um, two thousand like two hundred three dollar mark, then it will be that sort of first one trillion dollar company so yeah I think it's quite when, exciting times yeah when they announced the results I think they were 15 billion short which yeah. I mean it's still 15 billion dollars yeah. in their sort of in their world that's quite a makeable target when I when I looked at about three o'clock they were 190 million 190 
iPhone sales were slightly below analyst estimates. So Alice, Alice were looking at 41.79 million and Apple sold 41.3 million iPhones, okay. um, which is still a 20% increase year on year. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real story here is that Apple's making more money from the sale of each iPhone, which is part of the whole iPhone 10 story. So a lot yeah. of the criticism of the iPhone 10 was it's too expensive. But what's actually happening is Apple's making more money per iPhone sale, therefore they're making more revenue, yeah. and that's, you know... Well, I sort of think that they're actually, by units, they're selling 1% more than they were last year, but obviously these are much more expensive phones, so the revenue is up 20%. Exactly, basically. Um, so that's... that 1% increase is, is actually equates to It translates 20%. to a yeah. lot, lot more money, yeah. Um, and this is, comes at a time when, as you sort of hinted at earlier, you'd expect the sales of this phone to be slowing down, because it's yeah. coming to the end of its sort of... Hype, hype cycle and you maybe expect like a new one in September or maybe at Christmas time um, or there was a lot of rumours that they were going to drop the price by about 30% um, so maybe maybe not if the sales are doing this well at this late on. Yeah it wouldn't be Apple to, to drop the price anyway no. I don't think um, The uh, one of the interesting things Tim Cook mentioned in the conference called Analysts was um, a lot of people always sort of look at the iPhone, they look at Apple, they say they're too dependent on the iPhone. The success of the iPhone is going to give at some point. Mm -hmm. And what Tim said during the uh, conference call is that the smartphone market is such a good one to be in, um, that even if it grows 1% to 2%, 5%, 10%, or it shrinks, it's still a huge market. So I think that's that's an interesting sort of perspective. Also, though services has yeah. become such a big part of Apple's business and that's all off the back of the sort of um, uh, the market that they've grown with the iPhone it's like being able to make money off of those people yeah um, so you know the services um, market I think Apple's hoping to grow it double double service revenue by 2020 and it looks like it's on track to do that um, and services so, is um, iTunes, things like, Apple yeah, Pay. iTunes, Apple Music, Apple Pay, app sales, all of that, that's and that's hardware. that's likely to grow in the next quarter as well, or at the beginning of next year because everyone's expecting Apple to launch its sort of Netflix, of course, Apple type, TV thing. yeah. So I might talk about that in a future podcast, but um, yeah, basically Apple has plans really to take on Netflix. We think yeah. with their own sort of service. So you know and they this... signed one big deal, didn't they? I can't remember who it was, but they've it was... got Whoopi Goldberg. No, not Whoopi Goldberg. Who's what I mean? They um. If, uh... oh. I think there was a Jennifer Aniston Oprah, show. Oprah Winfrey. That's they who, got Oprah. That's who I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, there was like a Jennifer Aniston show, yep, which I yep. think Netflix was bidding for, and they got outbid by yeah, Apple, and that was the yeah. first time they'd been beaten into a show. They've by got Apple. so much stuff, and they can't kind of keep wraps on it. Everyone yeah. knows about the stuff that's coming up, so. Yeah, um, that, and then obviously, you know, you've got, they reported iPad sales, they reported Mac sales, they're down, they're always down. Yeah. Um, but then that's not that surprising because this time last year, they'd announced new iPad Pros, they'd announced new Macs, not just MacBook Pros, which came out at the end of the quarter. But this time last year in June, they'd, they'd done MacBook Pros, iMacs, MacBooks. So... The, comp the quarters aren't comparable in no, that sense. I think that's, that reflects the industry as well. I don't yeah. think that there's any um, tablet or uh, laptop computer maker that is currently smashing their growth targets. So 
I think that reflects sort of a slowdown in the industry. But I do think it means that next quarter we could be reporting an increase in Mac sales or an increase in um, iPad sales year on year because those are likely to launch in September. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it just shows you that you can't sort of... Anyone who looks at those figures and says, oh, they're, they're down, you've got to see the bigger picture. So, Yeah, Apple's detractors have been saying that for since the iPhone first came out, right? Like, as soon as the sales slowed a little bit, oh, this is the moment where it's going to peak. I count myself as one of those people. Yeah. Because I have issues with Apple, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just hasn't at all. And I, I keep wondering, like, is it is it ever going to peak? There must be some sort of running out point for, for their clients, yeah, right? I'm <laughs> very smart about it. I read an analyst blog post the other day, and he was a former Apple stock owner, and mm. he offloaded his stock about a year ago, which I think is probably a mistake. Um, mm. um, he was talking about what a lot of uh, detractors talk about, with it, this innovation um, slump that they've had since the iPhone. Uh, but the, the problem is the iPhone is such a successful product that it doesn't matter. And also the way that they seem to be plugging that gap is with the software and the services. And the stat that I read was like only one in two Apple users currently use an Apple service. You can easily bump that like by sort of getting more people onto the TV or the Apple Music or into into the App Store and, and just bump that number up. I think, you know, there's a there's a lot there is still a lot of innovation at Apple, although recently they can be a bit lax about Fully checking things before they go out but um you know they they have got the products there so for example the apple tv has been around for ages it used to be a hobby product and all yeah. of that but it's it's there yeah but sometimes you get this feeling like with the iphone like with the ipad that apple doesn't try to be the first with anything they just try it they come in later and they fix the problems yeah and maybe that's what will happen or maybe there'll be something else that's just not happened yet that will be the next iPhone yeah maybe it'll be the car then. yeah it could be the car um, or whatever they're no, doing in that in that respect exactly there, there, there's there's probably something in the works but yeah I thought it was interesting what you said earlier about the sort of the Facebook and Amazon and things like that so mm. of the Fang stocks it yeah. seems like the, the A the Apple is, is the one although that's... the A is supposed to be Amazon but oh, a it? lot of people put two A's in Fang yeah, to make it Apple definitely. as well um well, that's quite a nice segue, actually, mm. that I'm going to latch on to. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A couple of weeks ago, there was uh, some protests uh, on, it was on Prime Day um, because of the ongoing controversy over uh, their working practices and their warehouse staff. Um, Tamlin, this is something that you take a very keen interest in. Well, so it wasn't protests as it was a, uh, an attempt at a Europe-wide strike. A walkout. Uh, a walkout yeah. or slowdowns. Um, so they weren't unified in their demands, but workers in Spain uh, were most successful with their walkouts. The unions, uh, some of them reported like over 90% turnout for the strikes, which is high. I mean, they would say that, but you know. Yeah. But there, there was a lot of publicity around that at the time, sort of in the middle of last month, because uh, they were charged out by police and... You know, beating back to work, literally. Um, but there, there's been signs of uh, coordination between workers in Spain with workers in Germany, France, Poland, and even the Czech Republic as well. Uh, so I think it's really interesting that although they don't share a common set of demands at the moment, most of them have universally similar demands. So something that's been in the news a lot has been poor work, uh, poor paying conditions at these f- warehouses that they call fulfillment centres. Yes. <clears throat> And uh, I mean, on, on uh, I, I saw a headline earlier today that said uh, a worker at one of the Amazon warehouses in America is filming daily what her life is like. She's living in a car at the moment yes. and then going to work at Amazon and then going back to live in her car because mm-hmm. she's, you know, these workers are under like intense pressure to meet quotas and they're monitored at all times and yet they're not being really compensated for the work that they do or the value that they deliver arguably because Jeff Bezos last month uh, his personal wealth hit 150 billion dollars so there's a really really stark contrast between uh, this almost universal experience of poor paying conditions that the people who really make this product Amazon work yeah. you know uh, Prime the, the fact that stuff can get sent to you the same or the next day that's a really impressive like logistics network that's being built by Amazon. But at the moment, it seems to be uh, expose after expose is suggesting that um, the people that are making that happen are severely uh, mistreated. Yeah, the human cost of that is obviously really high. And these are the stories that we always used to hear um, about, you know, th- factories in third world mm. countries. Mm. But now it's sort of but because of Amazon's reach, they seem to do this in every geography they're in and, and, and manage to get away with it seemingly. we're literally seeing it on our own doorsteps aren't we yeah i think it's really interesting to contrast uh what's been in the news about amazon with the kind of gig economy protests that have been going on with delivery and uber and such because those sort of zero hours gig economy workers you do see the person who's giving you that service mm-hmm. and also for example the delivery drivers um went on, on strike quite famously the last year or the year before uh, but the way they started organising together was the creators of the Delivery app didn't think that all these freelance low paid workers going to congregate at a certain point would start talking about their paying yeah. conditions And whereas Amazon it's quite a different thing because you don't 
ever see the people working in these fulfillment centers. You see the app and then you see the product on your doorstep, but you don't see the people who are under like intense pressure to make that happen. And what's Amazon's kind of stock response to this? Like, does, does Bezos say anything about it? Do Amazon spokespeople say anything about it? Or do they just try to present it as, a, as an ongoing issue that they're doing something about? Uh, you know, I, I wish that I had a response from Amazon about the recent strikes up on my phone, ready to reel it off to you. But they did send me a response, but it was the what I would characterise as the typical sort of corporate non-answer. Boilerplate. Yeah. What they have done is they've arranged uh, fulfillment centre tours at fact- factories and warehouses in the UK that you can book to go on. Um, I'm quite intrigued to go on one, see what that's like. I yeah. imagine, I haven't been on one so I can't say, but I imagine it will be a sanitised version that's of the, problem. the stories that you hear. Because again, it's near universal, you know, workers in Spain, workers in Germany, France, the UK. Uh, it's like zero hours brutal work. And automated as well. A lot of the management is automated. So they get quotas from a little device that tells them what they have to meet. And they're pushed and pushed and pushed. And often people get injured on the job. I've read reports of people who say they felt they had to come back to work at Amazon uh, quickly after hurting their back quite severely or their leg. Because it was their only source of employment. Um, But doing that just and meeting those extra quotas like exacerbates... Health conditions. Yeah, right? there's a lot of like when you when you hear about all the issues at Uber, you often get these stories from Uber drivers coming out where they're they're kind of hostage to the job. Like they know that it's not great conditions and they know they're not treated particularly well, but the income stream that they get there is their main source of income. So they have to, if they lose that, then they've got to then scramble around and find another way to to replace that income. So they, although they would obviously like change, they definitely can't do anything too drastic because they they can't risk losing that, which is. Are they on the kind of contracts where they're not paid when they're off work? Yeah, they're zero hour, aren't they? Um, But I think the the second court date that Uber have in October, so they just had their first court date about whether they can continue to operate in London, which they got. Um, They got their licence renewed for 18 months, but their second court date in October is about those contracts. And I think it very much focuses on the fact that their CEO, Dara Kosvashai, has said that they're going to review giving them some normal employee benefits mm-hmm. like paid leave, uh, sickness leave and things like that. So uh, time will tell on that one, but it's definitely, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that court case and whether they get forced to, to bring those sort of benefits to their employees. Absolutely. Um, so this, this strike a couple of weeks ago got me talking to this uh, guy from an organisation called Make Amazon Pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, let me try and pronounce his name properly, uh, surname properly, Malamatinas, John Malamatinas, uh, who is the press spokesperson for Make Amazon Pay, a relatively new organisation. And what they are trying to do is tie the, first of all, to unify these uh, struggles between different countries, because I think where the traditional unions have fallen down is that they often operate on a national basis, whereas all the countries companies are international and flexible with their capital you know they can move production around Um, but with something like Amazon they can't they have to rely on logistics to make it work so they're trying to unify that and uh, they want to tie it to wider social movements because they think that Amazon is going to be even more present in our day-to-day lives in the next say five to ten years so it's a good opportunity right now to try and like force Amazon into the public eye and be like somewhat accountable for the practices that go on there. 
Yeah, and th- there's no way to disagree with the the assertion that Amazon is only become going to become a more prevalent part of our lives. I think I saw um, when their results came out that um, one in two consumer purchases in the whole of America now is um, goes through Amazon, and that's any consumer purchase. Uh, that includes, you know, if you go to Walmart or if you go to the Apple Store. So that's a huge amount, you know, fifty percent. And then I also saw um, that they've just signed their first public. Uh, procurement deal in the UK with um, with indirectly with Yorkshire County Council to provide um, social centres, uh, emergency services and schools with things like everything from stationery to um, sanitary products. And it was a six, possibly a £600 million deal. But the interesting thing there is that's a, a public contract. So does that mean that we can start bringing some sort of public level scrutiny? I mean... Uh, <laughs> we don't know the answer. We don't know the answer. All I, all I do know, uh, or can give you in terms of numbers, is last year Amazon paid £15 million in tax on European revenues of £19.5 billion. Yeah. So the tax they did pay is less than what that <laughs> procurement contract would be worth, potentially. Oh, yeah, like which comfortably. Like mind-blowing. Um, but, yeah, that's a really great point. I can't remember exactly what they were going to provide but yeah definitely like the sort of space that the sort of stuff you could find in staples or yeah. not sure about what else but i mean they're what they're running pilots with grocery stores in the states as well now yeah they bought whole foods um they're, they're doing pharmacy deliveries now um through a company i think they bought through acquisition and also the um in terms of the uh, procurement deal in the uk that actually goes through another amazon subsidiary which is called Amazon Business and it's just a procurement portal um, so that is like a big customer win for them because it's built for that sort of thing where basically traditional procurement systems are hideously cumbersome and very difficult to use and that's why big companies have people that do procurement because they deal with that stuff but if you can make that a lot easier and more straightforward for whoever runs supplies at the hospital or whatever to just log on and order it like an Amazon order that that would be pretty transformational and there again is just another big win for Amazon so you can see them just growing and growing and growing that's really interesting I think that's one way like one of the kind of less visible ways that Amazon might be yeah. sort of integrated into our lives I mean they're already winning contracts like famously with the police and I think ICE in in America on the cloud computing side yeah, yeah. and uh, the CIA they've built a special version of AWS for the three letter agencies to use in America so that's like not very visible, but it does show them sort of burrowing their way into the way our societies are run, like top to bottom, really. Yeah, I mean, the AWS cloud computing division is like a whole separate kettle of fish, yeah. but the amount of reach and like impact that has is, is like, yeah, the the underside of it. It's not the visible, you know, getting products delivered side, but it's, it's equally important. Yeah. And I mean, there's been speculation, hasn't there, about like drone deliveries from Amazon. Always, yeah. And, and like, who knows if that could come to be? But I don't think it's that far fetched to imagine Amazon delivery units, whatever they might be, some kind of automated way to deliver things happening out in our public spaces and in our cities more and more in the future as well. So I think we're, it's just, I think the guy's got a point about how this seems to just be the start. Logistical workers coming together and sort of figuring out how they can take on the Silicon Valley giants like Amazon because further down the line there are signs that we're going to see much, much more of them whether we like it or not.
because yeah. I'll be convenient. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I think that's always been the great irony of the Uber, especially the Uber and the Amazon debates, is that not only do they treat their workers particularly badly, but they're also extremely public in their um, assertions and desires to replace those workers mm-hmm. with robots and self-driving cars and drones. <laughs> um, so it really is uh, a shit sandwich for anyone that works for those companies in terms of, yeah, we're not going to really pay you very well now but we also really want to replace you in the future but i think um th- this this guy i was speaking to didn't put it in quite such bleak terms to me <laughs> he said we we can have some hope that we you know we can find new ways of challenging these uh you know big five silicon valley companies amazon only being one of them and absolutely they they've made no um attempts to cover up the fact that they want to automate everything yeah. possibly but they're always going to depend on people to some point probably yeah in the next 50 years at least probably um well yeah if, you look at musk at tesla said he tried to automate everything didn't he and then he came out the other day saying he needs to hire more people because the machines keep breaking yeah, well he's <laughs> putting his cars together in a big tent yes yeah. yeah um so yeah and while you need to depend on those people if you're not paying them properly or treating them well then they are gonna want to organize eventually and challenge you and get better paying conditions and i hope they can soon great um Gonna take a little break and then I'm gonna come back and talk about uh, another of the big fan companies, Google. Great. So um, yeah, I ju- as I said at the top of the show, um, I just got back from San Francisco. Uh, I got to go to Google Cloud, um, which is Google's uh, AWS. Basically, basically, it's their Google Cloud division. Uh, I got to go to their big annual uh, business conference. So it's a bit different to Google I/O, which is their sort of developer conference. This is more like trying to um, show off in front of their like cloud computing customers um, of which uh, recently Spotify became one so Spotify um, are like their big name customer now in terms of they took all of their uh, services off their own servers and have bunged it all onto Google now um, instead of going with Microsoft or going with AWS uh, so they are very much the third in that big three but they're, they're, they're making some sort of good strides to compete with the the big two cloud computing companies. Um, I'm going to try and rattle through uh, kind of what I saw there, but like they they announced a lot of things. A lot of it's extremely techy and niche, um, the sort of stuff Tamlin that you write about. So there was a lot of Kubernetes and DevOps uh, stuff, and and a lot of uh, machine learning. And they've brought out a new version of their Tensor Processing Unit, which is their it's the basically the computer chips that they make themselves for machine learning, um, which have proved pretty popular. Um, but overall, the the kind of strategy of Google Cloud sort of came through this year in terms of the, the way they're going to try and compete with the other big two players. And, and their approach is quite sensible. It's not, they're not particularly ambitious in, in a weird way. They basically know that all of their major customers are going to use Amazon and they're going to use Microsoft probably. So they're trying to sort of set themselves as a third player in that market so what they do is quite specifically they focus on um, machine learning and and AI so they they say you know we're Google we've always been excellent at those sort of things so we can bring that ability to you like off the shelf so they did TensorFlow they've got this thing called AutoML which are these kind of pre-built machine learning um, uh, like packages for natural language processing translation and image recognition um, and then the other thing that they do is they're very, they admit that 
everyone is going to be multi-cloud so their idea is just to make it easier for people to do that so it's like if you want to like hsbc for example basically run all their applications on aws but they do a lot of their data work um and their customer like analytics and stuff through google and making that all work kind of together is one thing that google are quite good at doing and that's where things like kubernetes and this new thing that they brought out this year called istio comes in uh, so that's their kind of overarching strategy. It sounds like a really sensible play from my point of view. Who am I, right? But, <laughs> but we um, look at this stuff. But just in, in terms of if we are going to believe the hype about machine learning and artificial intelligence and Google is demonstrably an enormous leader in that, mm -hmm. then surely, even if they're just being a, sort of a challenger third player right now and saying, okay, we'll work with you guys now, as that kind of explodes, then surely... Google's market share might incrementally increase as well. Yeah, and when I when I spoke to customers, and I, I spoke to quite a few while I was out there, that when I asked them, you know, what was it about Google that interested you? And it was always data and machine learning, um, and and often Kubernetes because most developers use Kubernetes, and and that came out of Google. Uh, obviously, it runs with everything, but they kind of promote that it works best with Google as they would. But um, on the like data side of things, like one of their most popular products is something called BigQuery, and it's just a, a massive cloud data warehouse where you can put everything in one place. But people, like everyone I spoke to, were like glowing about this piece of technology. If you're going to try and run machine learning, you need to have a load of data. This is one place where you can put it, and it seems to work. So they're really trying to work on that. And what they announced this year was that they've brought this thing in called BigQuery ML, where you can just run those algorithms directly in there you don't have to pour stuff out and bring stuff back in and they're just trying to make it easier and easier to consume those sort of services so what were some of the interesting uses you saw for it what, yeah what so heard from from a lot a lot of it's sort of in pilot um but hsbc brought two of theirs into production this year um and one is just for uh, which is this is quite ironic if you know about hsbc over the last 10 years but they're using um, machine learning to cut down on anti well to do anti money laundering analytics so to try and spot examples of money laundering going on in their payments network um, the irony there is that in 2012 they got I think a record fine for money laundering um, for the Mexican cartels mm -hmm. uh, so it's obviously sort of a board level priority to try and cut that down um, and the interesting part is that they've seen machine learning as a as a way to do that it's very it's traditionally very good at looking through huge amounts of data and spotting um, odd behaviours. Um, so it's always been good for fraud and, and now they seem to be applying it for money laundering. Um, they put that into production early this year. Um, they're also doing something which I still don't understand. They're doing um, uh, country by country liquidity analysis. Apparently that normally takes about a week to put together from an analyst. They can now do that in like a couple of days um, using machine learning. So for them, that's probably a, a massive win. So it's not just the Amazon workers who will be out of jobs. Eventually, no, it'll the be the analysts. Too. Yeah, bless them. Uh, on the more accessible side of things, um, they did announce a lot of stuff uh, for G Suite. So we're a G, we're a G Suite um, shop over here at IDG. Um, so we use Gmail and Google Docs and Google Sheets. Um, again, everything that they're announcing here is is AI focused as per usual. Um, so in Google Hangouts Chat, which is their version of Slack. Um, they're bringing in sort of auto um, auto fill for messages, auto replies. So apparently it learns over time how you like to communicate with certain people and it will 
auto-fill your replies in. It's not something I use, <laughs> but apparently people use it on <laughs> Gmail all the time for, for replying to Gmail messages, so they brought that in. And they're also bringing in voice um, interactions into uh, Hangouts chat as well, so you could be like... Um, set up a meeting with this person and it will like Alexa it'll kick off that workflow for you so are they doing something with grammar as well yeah so they're using their translation service actually they've kind of retrofitted that to bring a grammar correction tool into Google Docs I think it's in beta at the moment but yeah you'll be able to sort of flick it on and it'll um, check for I think it's just in English to start with but it'll check for grammar it'll be American English it will be American (laughs) English um I think Christina uses one of our colleagues. Christina uses a American gram- a Grammarly, Grammarly, yeah. Yeah. and I yeah, use that. it pulls up a lot of odd pieces of grammar. That's wants Gram- to put commas everywhere. We That's it. Wants to put commas absolutely yeah. everywhere. That's Grammarly out of business, then, is it? Well, <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in a bit of trouble because this is that is hot competition, and that is you know built into one of the most popular document applications in the world in Google Docs. Don't need to download an, ex- download an extension. It's just no, there. it's just there. Yeah. Um, basically expect to see more of this stuff sort of mm. coming through um, and the work they've done in translation has been sort of objectively impressive so it's, it's probably going to be pretty decent once they um, sort of go about releasing it uh, the other thing is that the new Gmail um, so I don't know if anyone has switched over their personal account but there's oh, yeah. a new look Gmail it looks and feels completely different that's now available on G Suite if your admin wants to turn it on um, I'm not going to ask our admin over here to turn it on because it would probably take me three days to get that sorted. Um, oh, there was one more thing, um, which was actually quite interesting. So they've, I don't know if you remember, but from Google I.O., there was a big controversy because they released this new um, app where uh, they can uh, replicate human conversation on the phone. Do you remember this? Yeah. It's called Google Duplex. Yeah. So um, Sundar Pichai was up on stage and basically he rung up a restaurant yeah. And the, the Google AI on the other end of the line said, oh, when would you like to make a reservation? And basically took the reservation. The controversy at the time was that when the AI picked up the phone, it didn't present itself as a robot. It just presented itself as like someone that would pick up the phone at a restaurant. What I found interesting was they showed off this new technology at Google Next, um, which is basically the same, although I asked them and they said it's different. Um, <laughs> so that it's not branded the same as Duplex. But they're doing this for the contact center. So instead of when you ring up a uh, customer service and you're having to press one to go to this mm. department or two, they go, they've created an AI application which asks you what you're there for and then it will natural language process that and then it will send you on to the right person. Uh, but what was interesting was when they presented it up on stage, the first thing it said was, hi, I'm a robot basically, uh, how can I help you today? So they've definitely taken that feedback on board um, and the other thing that they were obviously very keen on when they were presenting this piece of technology was to say that this isn't going to replace human contact centre <laughs> workers. My first thought on it is that call centres are Kafkaesque enough as it is without yes. having an AI gatekeep your call. Yeah. yeah, so that is the way forward here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were saying, you know, this is only going to cut down on something which is already automated but make it less painful, which is that phone tree thing that you have to do when you ring up. But in my mind, it this is only going to improve this technology to the point where it could probably service most requests. So mm. if I did work in a contact centre, I would be a little bit concerned. Mm. What about you? Uh, I worked in one for a while. Well, call centre, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, contact centre is the American phrase. I had lots of concerns whilst working there. Yeah. <clears throat> most of my colleagues did. Um, I'd. Well, I don't know. It goes back to precarity of work, doesn't it? Like, 
I know <clears throat> a, a lot of youth employment is call centres in this country, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, also, I remember my time there very well, and I would have welcomed being automated out of existence. Fine. Yeah, I, it's not a long-term career option for many, is it? So potentially, I guess, but it wasn't wasn't for me. Bro. Um, so there, that was it. That was it for Google Cloud Next, and I think that's it for this week's show. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about all the hottest tech topics. Um, I failed in my one mission for this podcast, which was to not mention Elon Musk, but I managed to squeeze him in there at some point. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.